Welcome back to Riding Off the Deep End. I'm Jeffrey Edwards. And I'm Mary Thaler. And for this episode, we're continuing uh, on the theme of reading excerpts. From, from our own work, um, with this idea that, um, you know, you've heard us speak for 16 or 17 episodes about everything, but never giving our own work. So uh, the idea was to um, give you a little bit taste of what we do. And what we've been doing is, um, instead of me reading for my work and Mary reading for hers, we crossed it. So Mary has picked some excerpts from my work and I have picked some excerpts from Mary's. And we're reading each other's work. Yeah. So let's get started. So I've picked two pieces of writing of Mary's, which are very different. Mm -hmm. um, so the first piece is a short story that she wrote. I don't know whether it was one of the early ones you did or... Do you know or, what? I have a memory of writing it um, in the first months when I started my master's degree. Uh, it's one of the first things I read of Mary's and it it completely bowled me over as a reading. So, uh, so it's a story that I love to read. So I'm going to read just two um, passages from it. Um, it's a fairy story kind of and it's kind of interesting because it takes place in and around real Quebec places so it like it could be in reality and yet there are many elements of it that are totally fairy story and so it's a kind of mix of reality and fairy story that's kind of interesting. So inside the hot hazy hall the fiddle was making the dancers leap like midges on an iron stove. Outside, the air was so cold it sparkled, and young people who wished to get up to mischief were hard-pressed to take their accomplices anywhere but back inside, where they made mischief anyway, to their elders' outrage and delight. Now Olivier spied a girl who was not dancing. She was an odd-looking girl, for halfway down her legs her knees were bent in the wrong direction, and each furry, unshod foot had only one hard, black toenail, like a forest deer. But her dress became her very well, for she had sewn it herself. The green taffeta had arrived by steamer in saint jean Chrysostome on the Feast of Kings, a present from her lover, who lived down in the States. So there you have this uh, uh, fairy kind of girl plunked down in the middle of saint jean Chrysostome, which is a village just on the other side of the river from Quebec City. And so it has this mix of real and magical. It's rooted in, in our surroundings. Yes. Yeah. And of course, fiddling... And dancing is a Quebec tradition, mm -hmm. even as it's a fairy tradition. And so it, it, it plays this double double role. And then, uh, and then what happens is he falls in love with her, quite understandably, I think, and wants to court her, but she has her boyfriend in the States. And so she plays a kind of double game with him. And she sends him on a series of quests that he has to fulfill in order to advance in her affections. And so the, this is the first of the three quests that he has to follow that I'm going to read. 
So the next week it was so cold that when Olivier's sister Amandine set down a pitcher of milk on a tree stump, it cracked into two pieces, leaving the milk standing there like a white pillar in the church of Saint Petronille. But Olivier hitched the horses to the carryall and drove across the ice bridge to see Marie-Hélène. He sat for an hour with her in the kitchen. When he got up to leave, he said, What do you say? Shall we be married? Marie-Hélène replied, What good is marriage if the days are long and silent? Go find a deep stream guarded by an ancient fish. Bring me back what you will find at the bottom of that stream. Then I will give you an answer. So Olivier took his axe and his crampons into the white forest, where only the chickadee was flitting among the un undergrowth. He searched until he came to a deep stream. Through the ice he could see the shadow of the sturgeon turning and rolling like a thundercloud. He was enormous, because he had eaten all the other fish, and though his eyes were as blind as two dry peas, he could hear a water strider on Lac Saint-Charles, a hundred miles away. Olivier put the crampons on his feet and stepped out onto the ice. Before he reached midstream, the old fish heard him, and with a plunge and a twist, smacked its giant tail against the ice beneath his feet. A crack opened directly behind Olivier and quickly widened to further than a man could leap. Without hesitation, Olivier took another step forward. Again, the old fish smacked his tail against the ice. Another crack appeared, this time in front of Olivier, and widened to further than a man could throw a stone. But Olivier gripped his axe in two hands and said, I was sent on this errand by the girl I love, and if you were a devil from the cold abyss, you couldn't stop me. When the fish heard this, he swam down to the bottom of the stream and came back with the silver harp, which Olivier took from between his cold, white lips. He brought the harp to Marie-Hélène's house, where she gave him two hearty kisses. Come back next week, she said, and do not fail. <laughs> you read that so well. So the, so the next two... Uh, quests uh, mm -hmm. get harder and harder, but he yes, as they should. succeeds them all. And I won't tell you the end of the story, <laughs> uh, which is published, so you can access it. I think we'll put the link we'll put on the there link in the, so that yeah. you can you can find the story and you can read it yourself. Um, because it's a lovely, you can see it's a lovely story about love and trials and courage and, and magic and magic. Yeah. Right? So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I was thinking as you wrote this that I tapped into two genres. I mean, the fairy tale genre, but also in Quebec, we love to complain about the cold. And yes. It, it was so cold that... <laughs> and, and, and that first line, the fiddle was making the dancers leap like midges on an iron stove. So Mary studies in science these, mm. these microorganisms, and midges are kind of part of that kind of world, right? So well, there you see the science creeping back into it slightly. <laughs>
<laughs> We'd have to get a midge scientist to be sure <laughs> about the accuracy of that. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, it's my turn. And um, the next one that I want to read from is actually, it's a work in progress yes. for you. And it's, it's going to be part of a, a three-book Yeah, so series, a trilogy. A trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That um, uh, and we've talked about it, I think, before uh, when we talked about our family history. So this is right. something that's that's very um, rooted in in your own family history. And um, so I'm going to the so the the name the name of the manuscript is uh, "Goodness in Small Doses," and I I think I'm just going to jump in without explanation because in fact. The paragraph I picked is the first one, so (laughs) this would be your experience as you started to read it. Okay. From the diary of Charlotte Rangnier. They appeared out of nowhere in the early evening of a late September day, one of the languorous days that followed the intense busy period when Nathan and I and the boys from the other farms had brought the harvest in, but before the cold air from the north really settled upon the valley. In fact, August had been cold and wet, but September had been dry enough for us to get the work done. The harvest, despite the sensation of being under siege that went with the German occupation, had been a joyous time. I loved the rhythms of the heavy physical labour carried out within the larger group, the swinging and pulling, carrying and tying. Even the presence of the machinery didn't cause me any significant concerns. You just had to be careful how you used it. I had grown up in a world of paper and documents, whispers and manners, the boisterousness of the young men, their wholehearted laughter, and the great heaving actions were such a contrast I reveled in it all. My body, which had been such a trouble to me in my youth, with its ungainliness, matched theirs also, gesture for gesture, another reason I felt more at home here than I ever had in the genteel environment of my father's home. So... I picked this one because it's setting, and I love setting, but um, what you're doing with the setting is revealing a lot of stuff as as you go along. So um, we're getting this wonderful insight into the into Charlotte's, um, into who she is and, and how she's grown up. Like already, you get a sense of a whole childhood, of, of a whole life, and maybe start to wonder where how she went from from that family of uh, whispers and manners to to working on a farm, um, and and the uh, I mean the, so the setting of this is in wartime France under German occupation, but already there's a sense of a, so that that gives you an external struggle, but you can already see um, that Charlotte has internal struggles in her life that she has been uncomfortable with herself and that she's grown into herself. And so, um, and so all of those, all of those coming conflicts and struggles are, are already, um, hinted at in, in what's just the first paragraph. Yeah. And it's interesting when I hear that because, um, I did a lot of research in preparing this, uh, Mm -hmm. this, uh, novel. And so the, the description of the, of the temperature and all that is rooted in yes. the real temperatures at that period of time in France at that particular location. You do that it's too, It's all based eh? into the... So, 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 <laughs> so it's not 
gratuitous this no. description of the season and the and yeah. the experience of it. Oh, did, you, did you go into like weather archive yes. website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. It seems so nerdy or, or, or overly meticulous, but I think it's actually. I mean, I think weather matters. It does matter. And in fact, it's... it matters enormously in the mm -hmm. story and later on mm -hmm. in the story because yeah. there are periods of hardship that correspond yeah. to this periods when it got really cold in France at that time in yeah. all of Europe. Yeah. And yeah. it was part of what went on in relationship mm -hmm. to the war. And yeah. so... I think, as I'm talking to you, it occurs to me that modern life is about making weather not matter with our warm houses or our air conditioning and our, our warm clothes. And every, we're doing everything we can to separate ourselves from the atmosphere. And, and but as a writer, I, I would like to bring people back into contact mm. with that and feel it in their body. Well, thank you for listening to a new set of excerpts. Uh, we still have a few more to finish up on another, on yet another episode uh, next time. Uh, so we hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. And if you do, come back next time and hear some more. Yes, and don't forget to subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel if you like what you hear. Yeah, and thanks for watching. Bye-bye.